Hello, everybody. Welcome to Becoming Better, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better human being. I'm the host of this year's show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number nine, The Practical Benefits of Meditation. A few weeks back, I attended a meditation retreat. I spent seven days and nights in silence, not speaking or making eye contact with people while meditating in the forest. It was a lovely time. And throughout each day, I alternated between practicing sitting and walking meditations in order to step back from my work and my life and my mind so that I could settle down and gain perspective on things. And that experience of the week in the forest, like with retreats I'd attended before uh, that one, it gave me quite a bit as this practice of meditation always has. And and now that I've started working again, because this was uh, a few weeks back uh, at the point of recording, I can I find that some things happen naturally. I can focus on things uh, with greater depth and clarity. Uh, it's more clear throughout the day what's important. I feel way less stressed out. I feel pretty calm, and I feel like kind of things roll off my back, especially when negative things happen or things don't live up to my expectations in one way or another. Now. I usually co-host this podcast with my lovely fiance Arden, and at the time of uh, publication will be my wife, uh, not to mention, but this week I wanted to bring in a very special guest because Arden called off the marriage. No, I'm just kidding. It's just a special guest. That's a good fit for this episode. Uh, my, my special co-host this week is my good, good friend, John Crop, who has more meditation experience than anybody that I know. His full time is teaching meditations to lawyers at law firms all across the United States and around the world. His website is mindfulnessforlawyers.com. Arden will be back in a couple of weeks. She's actually on the patio right now, like behind me, probably by about 20 or 30 feet. She's waving at me as as I speak right now. She was, so she the, her presence, you can probably feel her presence in the show. But uh, welcome, the presence of a, a, a good friend, somebody who's so into meditation and knows so much uh, about it, uh, John Crop. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's you're taking Arden's place. How does it feel to sub in for? B- uh, big shoes to fill? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if by the end of this uh, podcast, I'm going to be all the things to you that that Arden is, but I'm going to try as hard as I can to get there. Well, I'm hoping you're going to be most of them, especially Mm -hmm. in terms of of meditation. Uh, So, you know, one one of the things that I find so fascinating about you, many things. And there are many, yes. There are are at least three or four things that are fascinating about you, but one of those, uh, maybe one or two of them, are your story with how you discovered meditation. When, When did you first when slash how did you first discover meditation i got into meditation it was i guess 13 years ago now uh, and it was in law school so it was the summer after my first year of law school and uh, i was struggling a little bit Mm. so i have adhd i don't know if that's a little bit of an overshare but i have adhd and i went to a reasonably competitive law school where everyone was smart and Everyone was focused and organized and disciplined and all these things that I frankly was not. Yeah. And so I felt a little bit out of my depth. 
felt like I was having some trouble keeping my head above water. And I had hoped that meditation might be able to help with that. So it was sort of a totally mercenary motivation of I could do better in school, you know, I could concentrate better and so forth. Although then when I, when I did start to get into meditation, I quickly discovered how much deeper it went than that. Mm. But, but the actual story, which I'll try and keep brief, though I'm not great at that, is I'd had this book on meditation and Buddhism that I bought at the start of the school year and had never read. And it just sort of sat on my shelf unread. But then I brought it down to Buenos Aires with me where I was spending the summer uh, doing some legal work the summer after my first year of law school. And my landlady, uh, the, the woman I was renting an apartment from, saw this book on my shelf and said, oh, are you Buddhist? Do you meditate? And I said, well, no, but I'm, I'm interested in that stuff. I've been meaning to get into it. And she said, oh, come with me. And it turned out that that night there was a meditation group that she was a part of. And so she whisked me downtown in her car and I went mm. to my first ever meditation class. And, you know, it was all in Spanish, but uh, there was a yeah. person there who was kind enough to translate <laughs> for me. And then that teacher there became my first teacher. And, and I was very lucky. He was an incredible guy, uh, an Argentinian guy, but he'd lived in, I think, India and Nepal for something like 20 years. He spoke fluent Tibetan. He was the Dalai Lama's latin american translator actually you lucked out there so i got very lucky i studied with him all summer and that was it i just sort of fell all the way in and then when i got back to law school in the fall i stuck with it shortly after that i went on my first ever silent meditation retreat that was how i spent my spring break and mm-hmm. i just it was just very clear that this was a thing for me and I, I feel you're being a bit uh, polite because you did graduate with pretty high honors from a pretty good law school if if i'm remembering correctly yes i yeah i went to harvard law school and i graduated with like medium okay honors not the highest honors but i i did okay i did okay if i know for for people listening if i know john well i I can feel him blushing through the microphone even though skype isn't on uh, on our video chat so it's uh but so it was painful for him to say that but meditation did help you quite a bit hasn't it in in your life yes undeniably so it you know as i think i mentioned it definitely helped me get through law school and and do decently well in law school and then uh as a lawyer I found it pretty indispensable because being a lawyer is a pretty stressful job and the stakes are high and the deadlines yeah. are tight and you're, you're expected to perform at a high level and mistakes have, have consequences. And so meditation, you know, this isn't the most important thing about it, but it is a performance enhancer hmm. in a lot of ways. And I definitely benefited from that in, in my opinion, at least. You've explained to uh, countless people, especially lawyers, uh, on how they can get started with meditation. So if somebody's listening to this and, and they've never meditated before, they hear the word and they think, eh, you know, it's not really for me. Or they, or they hear the word and they think, oh, you know, I've kind of been curious if it won't affect my performance. It might even aid my performance, as we'll talk about. Um, how should people get started if you had to explain how to do it? And is it possible to explain it in, say, a couple minutes? Yeah, it is possible. It's not as good as getting an explanation that takes 20 minutes or a half hour or an hour. But, you know, you can certainly cover some ground in a few minutes, I think. 
and 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 that could be a productive few minutes. So if you want me to do that, I'm yeah glad to yeah do let's that. do it. Even even if just for a refresher for the people who have meditated in the past or that meditate now, I feel it's an opportunity for everybody to kind of you know breathe a little bit. Maybe don't close your eyes if you're driving, but it's a yeah it sounds fun. Yes, and even if you are already sort of an an advanced meditator. I still think it's always useful to hear another angle on it. You know, just another vector in on yeah. what meditation is about because it might spark some things for you. So if, if, if you were to ask me what is meditation, I would have to say that kind of depends because there are so many different meditative techniques, so many different meditative traditions. Mm. But coming out of the mindfulness traditions that, I, that my teachers trained me in, I would say that my favorite definition of meditation is that it is the practice of learning to stay in the present moment and out of our heads. Mm. And and when I say out of our heads, I'm referring to the frankly depressing amount of time that we all spend caught up in worries, fears, anxieties, plans, judgments, right? We compulsively generate narrative and get sort of tangled up in that narrative. Yeah, there's this kind of dialogue, this, this self-talk happening as we go about our day. Yeah. And we, we often don't even realize that it's happening because, you know, it happens in our own voice, right? It sounds like us. Mm. So we're sort of embedded within it, right? But we spend so little time actually where we are experiencing what we're doing, you know, mm. and, and I've been, I've been saying it that way for a while, actually. And I realized after a workshop that I was teaching that I'm actually quoting Yoda when I say that, <laughs> um, from the Empire Strikes Back. Pretty, of course. Pretty, ver- pretty verbatim. Uh, but that's <laughs> a fine. slightly better grammar. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I fixed it for him a little bit. But but you know we do spend so little time actually in the moment that we're in, which is a shame, really, because yeah. if you let yourself be in the present in the way that we do through meditation, you'll often find that there's a certain calm and peacefulness that's present there. There's a there's a mental clarity that's available, a certain capacity for focus, particularly relevant to your listeners, maybe yeah. a certain capacity for focus that becomes accessible. So, you know, it's both very pleasant and pragmatically very useful to be in the present moment in this way, but we don't really let ourselves do it very much. So how do we get there? So meditation is how we train, how we train to extricate ourselves from this tangle of narrative, to get out of our heads and to come into the relative calm and simplicity and clarity and focus of the present moment. And the way that we do that is by working with our faculty of attention. So one way to talk about meditation is that it's a form of attentional training. You know, you could think of attention as like a spotlight. And wherever you aim that spotlight of attention, that determines what stands out in your awareness in any given moment. You could bring your attention to the soles of your feet and those sensations stand out. You could bring your attention to the background noises in your environment. Suddenly those are standing out, right? You have some control. Mm -hmm. And what we do in meditation um, to make a long story at least moderately short, what we do in meditation is we learn to direct our attention to a chosen object, sometimes called an anchor, and we form the intention to just have our attention rest there, to just observe whatever it is, whether it's the sensation of our breath or it's a visual object like a candle flame or a sound like a mantra. We just rest our attention there and just hold the intention to stay there and observe whatever that anchor is with our attention. Mm. Then what's going to happen inevitably is the attention is going to wander off to a sound in the background, to a sensation in your body, to a thought. 
And at this point, people often think they've made a mistake, but they haven't. This mm-hmm. wandering attention is totally natural. You know, it's sort of what's supposed to happen. So nothing's gone wrong. All you really do when your attention wanders like that is you just notice that it's wandered. Like, oh, hey, I'm not with the breath. I'm not with the candle flame, whatever it is. And then having noticed that, you just gently escort your attention back to the anchor and just begin again, reforming that gentle intention to rest your attention on that anchor. It's so easy to think, am I doing this right? Am I doing something wrong here? Um, because this is so simple. Is this, is this simple practice actually helpful? But it's in that simplicity that I think the power lies because, you know, if you can focus on your breath, you can focus on anything. If you can become engaged with your breath, you can become engaged with anything, whatever's in front of you. Like the breath is very, it's boring. It's, it's significantly more boring than, mm-hmm. than Instagram, than Facebook, than Twitter, than uh, a person that happens to be in front of you. There, there, my turtle Edward, uh, it, you know, he kind of hovers next to my meditation cushion in, in his water whenever I meditate. And he's more interesting than my breath yeah. usually is. <laughs> um, but, but that's kind of like where the power lies, I think. And, and this is one of the reasons why I, I talk about meditation, write about meditation so much on, on the blog. And now, on the the podcast because I, I just really think there are so many practical benefits to having a practice. I have a couple favorite ones um, that that I, I, I'd love to share. But I'm curious if there's a practical benefit that comes to mind for you for having this quite simple but uh, difficult in practice practice. Um, what, what's what's one big one that would come to mind right off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, why not cut to the chase and go to the the really big one, which is just happiness and joy, mm. you know, and your quality of life just potentially radically improving. I mean, that's what the that's what these practices were originally designed for, to the alleviation of human suffering. And and it does it. It really does. Um all these other things, these wonderful benefits that I'm sure we'll talk about, the more practical benefits, really from that perspective are almost side effects. The ultimate benefit, the ultimate benefit is a radical transformation, a radical improvement in well-being. And, you know, this has definitely been true in my life. I am happier. There's just no denying it. Mm -hmm. It, It's quite clear. And this isn't to say that I'm never sad or I'm never angry. Obviously, that wouldn't be true and I would never claim that. But my baseline, my default is definitely different than what it was. And when I'm dealing with anger or impatience or sadness, the way I experience it is different, less punishing somehow. Mm. So that's, I mean, to me, that's the biggest one. Everything else is subsidiary to that. It will, or there's maybe one other benefit that is just as important as that. And I'll, I'll maybe talk about that one a little later. But one of the biggest benefits is just straight up, I feel more joy in my life. I experience more joy less suffering, and not just joy, but a sort of just calm contentment with whatever's going on. Even if what's going on is not necessarily so great externally, I seem better equipped to deal with it. And uh, which brings to mind a great quote that I think comes from uh, the great meditation teacher, Jack Kornfield. Oh, wait. Okay. (laughs) All my quotes are from Yoda. (laughs) Um, Actually, I can't remember if it was Kornfield or if it was John Kabat-Zinn, but both great teachers, of course. But anyway... Uh, I, maybe it was Kabat-Zinn, but he said, you can't stop the waves from coming, but you can learn to surf. 
Mm. And that's a big part of the radical well-being that can come from meditation practice. Though you can't stop the world from uh, veering wildly from amazing between amazing and terrible, yeah. between extremely pleasant and harrowing. You can't stop that. That's the mm-hmm. nature of existing in this world. But what you can transform is your own mind. What you can rely upon is your own mind. Mm-hmm. So by transforming that, you have this uh, this opportunity to learn to be content in the midst of whatever your external circumstances are, or at least to come some way along the path toward that. This is, yeah, that I love that answer because this is one of the big things that the practice has taught me to just, you know, life aside, just, you know, focusing on the crap that flies around in my own mind, which as anybody knows, if you sit in a, in a room alone for five minutes, it can be harrowing, but it's just that, you know, how unhappy the stories in your own head can make you. You know, yes. you have this fantasy um, that is an angry fantasy and maybe you're walking down a street and somebody's on their phone, they're distracted, they almost run into you. It didn't happen. It's in your head. You know, yeah. you, you can have a fantasy about winning the lottery and it's just a daydream. You're trying to do some work and then you get lost in this daydream. You won the lottery. You have a big boat. You have a big house. You, you know, everything is right in your life. But then you remember, wait, I didn't win the lose. I didn't win the lottery. Nothing changed. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, accept the, the thoughts in your head. And, you know, the more I practice, the more I, I come to believe that happiness is really nothing to, other than coming to terms with how things change. And so yeah. much of that uh, coming to terms with how things change is just getting that dialogue that happens in your head automatically, like you said, in response to what happens around you, setting it aside and just experiencing things as they are, diving into a conversation, listening to a podcast, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, drinking a cup of coffee, having a cup of tea, having a dinner. Um, I'm hungry and thirsty right now, which is why those things come to mind but but all right that uh, checks out yeah it checks out it's it's quite remarkable and and, um you know one benefit maybe we can alternate even um is um just having a clarity of what's important throughout the day and this is you know i I like to study and focus on productivity but uh, one of my favorite benefits is this you know stepping back from this mental chatter Uh, and you know when you have to constantly reorient your mind to focus on the breath instead of your thoughts you learn to step back from the internal conversations you have with yourself throughout the day um and, and so it's it's a nice benefit in general but like especially during those stressful times so you're at work and everything hits the fan but yet you don't think too much about it you can observe things as they actually are you're able to focus um you know the water tank at home starts leaking your in your house when you have to take care of the kids but you're able to calm down and not overthink it and let your thoughts spiral you can take uh, care of things more easily and, and so you know my first item that i that i had for a practical benefit is just having a clarity of what's important your thoughts don't get in the way they don't get in the way of your happiness but they don't get in the way of how much you accomplish um whether on a personal level or on a work level you know meditation doesn't change the things you experience but you relate to the things that you do experience differently the bad things they don't affect you as much because 
you just see them as as something that changed in the world and instead of something that changed relative to your expectations and you're able to savor the the good things more fully as well the only benefit that i think is equally important to the sort of radical improvement in well-being and the radical contentment that can come from meditation. And that is that it makes you kinder. It makes you a better Mm. person, or it can. It doesn't always. But if practiced in the right way, in my view, and within the right framework, meditation can uh, improve your motivation to be there for people. It can make you more altruistic, uh, more compassionate, more loving, more kind. And then, of course, because it does enhance your performance in a variety of ways, it actually equips you more to be of service to people Mm. because you're more focused, you're more effective, you've dealt with your own stuff more effectively. So there's more room in, you know, internally, there's more room for you to to be there for other people because you're not all wrapped up in your own garbage, you know? So I think that if you care about the people in your life and you want to be good to them, Meditation practice is good for your meditation practice will be good for everyone around you. Mm. And I think that is just as important as it being good for you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I I remember there was an experiment I conducted uh, many years back at this point to meditate for 35 hours over the course of a week. And, you know, while being as productive as possible outside of the boundaries of that experiment. And there's something that that Arden said to me during that experiment that I'll never forget. It was when, you know, we had been dating for about a year and I had just started, you know, I declined a few jobs to start what became the the book, The Productivity Project. And, and you know, yes, this was the one legend of those... Of the, the origin story, the yeah. legend of Chris Bailey. Yeah, we, yeah. But, um, but, you know, I, I remember something she said to me during that experiment to meditate for 35 hours in a week. She said, yeah, you know, Chris, I, I don't think I've... Uh, she, well, she called me Christopher, you know, but, the, you know, friends call me Chris. Um, you know what, Christopher, I, I don't think I've ever felt as loved as I do right now from you during this experiment. And that kind of took me aback because, you know, I was studying productivity and that's supposed to be about efficiency. And I found that I was able to, like you said, give more of myself to my work, but that yeah. I was able to give more of myself to, to, to the people around me too. And, yeah. you know, friendships deepened and I was able to meet people like yourself during that time. And, you know, that, that friendship blossomed. And so, and so it, it really does make you more empathetic, but it also, for those same reasons, um, leads you to give more of yourself to whatever you happen to be doing in the moment. And that, that leads to sort of the, um, my second benefit, maybe we could do five. It, you know, we probably have time for one more after this from you is increased focus. Uh, so there was one study that I, I recall looking at from Daniel Gilbert, and he found that throughout the day, our mind wanders for about 47% of the day and the rest of the time mm. we're focused on what's in front of us. And, you know, the later research showed that there are varying levels of mind wandering. Sometimes we're giving a bit of ourselves to what we're doing, but the, the number that is um, commonly accepted in literature is we spend about 47% of the day mind wandering. So let's say that you sleep for eight hours. So you're awake for 16 hours throughout the day. Um, if you times those numbers together 
16 hours by 47% of the day that our mind wanders. That's seven and a half hours every day that we spend unfocused and not um, with whatever we're doing, the person that we're with, the work that we're with, the the pet we're with, the turtle we're with, whatever. The podcast happens, we're on. The podcast we're on or listening to. Um, but, but if you can get just a bit better, you know, you go from 47% of the day that you're wandering to 37% of the day. That's a lot of time that you save. Just that increase from uh, 47% to 37%. I did the, the math prior to this episode. That leads you to be focused for 1.6 more hours every single day. And the quality of your attention goes up. You uh, give more of yourself to what you're doing, so your mind just doesn't wander less, but you also are able to focus more. Uh, So even if you meditate for 30 minutes a a day, you get that time back three times over at least. And and this is the, the golden rule that I like to use for productivity tactics. Set aside happiness for a second. Set aside being nice. Set aside mental clarity. Set aside everything that we talked about so far. Um, You know, you make the time back that you spend meditating and then some. For that reason alone, it's worth it. And sure, it's hard, right? It's boring to focus on the breath, but that's the point. If you can focus on that, you can focus on anything. And that manifests itself through the day of just diving more deeply into everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's actually a great... It's a quote, but I'm not going to get the exact quote. I'm I'll, I, I'd mangle it. But there's a point that the meditation teacher Shinzen Young, uh, the great contemporary mm. meditation teacher, something that Shinzen said. Um, he in one of his in, in one of his books or articles, he talked about how if you practice meditation, you become more and more conscious in the sense that a greater and greater percentage of your moments of of awareness are present focused and conscious rather than dull or tuned out, you know? So you Mm. start with, as you said, you start with some huge percentage of your moments of consciousness being sort of fuzzed out or, or not really used in any way. And then gradually a greater and greater percentage becomes very present and conscious. And what Shinzen says is if you're looking for a way to live longer, so many people seem to want to live forever or radically extend their lives if you want a way to radically extend your life that's available right now, meditate. Because mm. if twice if twice the number of moments of consciousness are awake and present and tuned in rather wow. than dulled, you have effectively just doubled your effective lifespan, right? And so if you really want to live for a long time, you've got a bazillion moments of consciousness going to waste right now. So reclaim those. And then you will you will be multiplying your lifespan, which I thought was a nice way of putting it. What a and beautiful motivating. way! The, you know the, the, that's um, you know the, uh, the way I think about it is it's funny when you're on meditation retreat because you're focusing on on uh, essentially everything that you're doing because you, you learn to spend so much time in the present and the food on meditation retreat always tastes so good. And this is something that I try to remind myself of every day is, you know, no burger will taste as good as the one you focus on with 100% of your attention. No, no conversation will be as meaningful as the one you focus on with 100% of your uh, attention. And, you know, it's, um, you know, there, there's a great quote from somebody that, that said, you know, train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. And, Mm -hmm. and you know, who said that? I do not. Yoda said that, and and I think that's you know. I, I was Wait, are you to, are you serious right now? I'm very serious right now. Get out um, of here. You know, truly you know, wonderful. You, you the you, mind of a child is. 
You oh you met you messed me up because you fixed the syntax. That wasn't fair. Oh, judge me by my size, dude. But we have <laughs> we we have time for one more benefit, John. All right. Is there anything okay. else that comes to mind? Practical benefit of meditation. Yeah, obviously it doesn't help you uh, with retention of Star Wars quotes. No, but um, <laughs> but yeah, here here's a practical one. Since I've been giving the more sort of high flown ones, here's the. And I don't want to leave those out because I do think they're important because I also want to encourage people to practice deeply. I think that if you practice casually, you'll get wonderful benefits. If you practice deeply, you will get mind-boggling benefits. So I want to mm-hmm. sort of nudge people in that direction. But um, here's one. I am less completely overwhelmed and overpowered and dominated by my phone and my email and social media and my digital devices because I think that is a massive source of unhappiness for most people in the sort of developed world right now is that we're constantly staring at a screen and I won't belabor this because I think it's a point that a zillion people have made at this point. We're, we're all familiar with it, but a lot of the solutions being proposed right now are along the lines of, uh, and they're good, but they're along the lines of put your, put your phone screen in black and white mode, right. Or, or take a sabbatical or, you know, put the most distracting apps in folders where you can't see them. They're all sort of external strategies for working with the devices themselves. But there's an internal strategy, which is don't just worry about how distracting your devices are. Worry about how distractible are you? How susceptible are you to the attentional hijacking by these devices? And meditation will help you with that, right? That is an internal solution as opposed to just Mm. external solutions. And I actually, I actually have a whole program that I teach my, my lawyer, my law firm clients, uh, called defeating digital distractions. Mm. And it's all about sort of mindful technology use and how, uh, you know, there's sort of an irony in that a big solution to this extremely 21st century problem is a 2,500 year old technique, you know, but it, but it really does help. Mm. So there's that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I, th- I think that's about all the, the time we have for it. But, you know, that, what, what, I, what, what I'd finish up with are, are a couple, you know, a couple little notes. Like so often we're afraid of our mind, but fear is the path to the dark side. And fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering, <laughs> as uh, Yoda so uh, put in in Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. Um, and, and so often, you know, you need to confront those uh, emotions. You know, when you look at the dark side, careful you must be, for the dark side looks back. Um, but, you know, meditation helps you confront those things uh, so uh, a few things to finish up with that uh, we always like to finish up with things to try uh, so try meditation out it, you know it's quite simple there are some wonderful guided ones out there too uh, headspace uh, calm insight timer are, are terrific apps for picking up a practice and see what you notice you'll probably notice the the benefits that we chatted about too um, the happiness the being able to brush things off um, as if they don't affect you that clarity that focus and um yeah so the, 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 any parting words john first of all just quick shout out to the 10 percent happier app mm-hmm. i don't have any sort of relationship with them but it's just at the moment it's just my favorite of the meditation apps oh good so i just wanted to to throw that in there that's when people ask me that's the one uh that i recommend and i guess my parting words would be this can completely transform your life but it's okay and even wise to smart to to smart to start small 
Okay. Mm. It is wise to start small so, because otherwise you'll just get intimidated. You'll get overwhelmed. Don't be a hero. You don't have to meditate an hour a day to start. Figure out a length of time that you feel is realistically, not, not optimistically, realistically doable for you. Whether it's 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes, one minute, I don't care. Find yeah. that length of time and do that. Or maybe even do a little bit less than that. Really go easy on yourself. And develop the consistency because consistency of practice is way more important than duration. I would rather you meditate for two minutes a day every day than two hours a day, but only a few days a week. So start small, be consistent, be patient with yourself, and uh, changes will come. The benefits will come, really. This is this is something that I love so much about the work that you do is is how you put this kindness, uh, self kindness front and center. You know the, the, the where meditation isn't just about that performance; it is, and it is about seeing things clearer and becoming happier. But it's about making things better, making your mind a bit uh, happier, a happier place to live in, and the world a little bit of a happier place to live in. If you're, I, I don't know how many of our audience members will be in a position where they lead a law firm or work at one. But uh, if you do and you want to invite John in, it's Mindfulness for Lawyers. If you just want to check out his work, honestly, it's, it's up to some pretty cool stuff. Mindfulnessforlawyers.com is, is where you can check that out. Uh, yes. And, all, and mm. oh, also, I just note, um, if you go to John Crop, that's J-O-N-K-R-O-P, John Crop, P as in Peter, dot com, um, you could also ask me questions there. If you have any meditation questions, I receive them by email and I'm always happy to answer. Amazing. Careful what you wish for, John. Yeah, I may pay for that, but you know what? <laughs> Whatever. Go for it. Awesome. Um, you can contact me through the website and you know, my teachers were very kind and answered all my questions. Yeah. They didn't ask for money. Uh, so I like to pay that forward. Beautiful. I, I might just do that. So finishing <laughs> up, becomingbettershow.com is where you can find the corresponding blog article for this episode. Uh, if you want to, you can review the show on iTunes or wherever. Fine podcasts are downloaded. It really does help spread the word of the show and it helps more people find it. Um, hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much to John Crop uh, for joining us. See you all in a couple of Tuesdays. Tuesdays.